This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Next, we tackle a topic of special interest to our audience, and the latest numbers show it should be a high priority for everyone. A new Angus Reid poll indicates that one in four Canadians over the age of 30 takes responsibility of looking after their senior family members, and another one in three expects to do so in the future. People in their 40s and 50s are most likely to be the ones providing care. In other words, that's the sandwich generation who are also more likely to have young children that they also have to take care of. Women more likely to report a major impact on their lives. Nearly half say they're making real sacrifices to balance their caretaking responsibilities with their day-to-day responsibilities. A lot of people have to leave their jobs. So uh, people out there want to hear from you, your experiences. Many of you are caregivers or have been. What kind of support? could you use? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. And we have some people who are really expert on this issue in studio. Carol Ann Alloway, who is the co-founder of Family Caregivers Voice. Stephanie Conant, Program Manager of Community Connections at North York Community House. And Amy Kupal, CEO of the Ontario Caregiver Organization. Organization. Ladies, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Now, I am assuming that nothing in this survey was a surprise to anyone. Absolutely right. There were no surprises in that, especially the part about, uh, I'd like to highlight the part about women having, uh, being the most affected by looking after either spouses or parents because it affects their income as well as their emotional and physical well-being. And uh, what do you find is the biggest problem for the people that you deal with, Amy? We're certainly hearing, uh, not only through reports like this, but anecdotally, that caregiver distress is on the rise. And so caregivers are looking for support around managing and preventing burnout and also self-care when their caregiving responsibilities may be continuing either in an acute situation or over a long period of time. Yeah, and uh, one of the statistics that I did not mention, and I'd have to look up the exact number, but but informal family caregivers uh, save our system so much money. It's billions and billions of dollars. Um, shortly, I will look up exactly how many billions. But 33. Pardon? <laughs> CIBC puts it at $33 billion. Okay, there we go. $33 billion. So you know what? It's costing them money and uh, they're saving us money. So we should be taking that into account, Stephanie. Exactly. Uh, North York Community House is a multi-service or- organization. We support um, um, all all uh, people from Northwest Toronto, marginalized people, immigrants and refugees. And um, there wasn't anything surprising about the Angus Reid poll, but I think what was missing was that experience from diverse populations, um, populations... Um, 
from other countries and cultures and linguistic groups who really need extra supports when they're caregiving. Okay, I'm going to give the numbers out in case people out there have questions for you. And uh, I'm sure that you have a better idea of the kind of support that they can access. The number is 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. We're talking about caregiving. And here's one of the things that I found really interesting about this study. And uh it said that caregivers really care and they are worried about the people that they are helping out. So they have the concerns they have 43% worry that the person might be taking advantage of that's elder abuse, whether it is physical or financial and financial abuse is rampant, rampant. A third are concerned that they might be the only person that that their person has contact with. They're worried about loneliness. We keep hearing more and more about how dangerous loneliness is. It actually leads to death. And three in 10 are worried that the person they're caring for won't be able to afford the support they need going forward. I would say that um, it is a worry of having... um, especially seniors looking after seniors. And uh, I spoke with one caregiver who is about 80 years old, and she was looking after her 85-year-old husband, and she couldn't get enough hours for him. But when I spoke to her about what her issues were, she was the one who needed hours as well. And there was no one to advocate on her behalf, and she was trying to advocate for her husband. So um, that's a challenge as well. Wow, 80. Yeah. So what happens if you have one spouse looking after another and suddenly they need help as well? First of all, do they realize that they need help? And what happens when that situation arises? One of the things that we hear consistently is that caregivers are not necessarily self-identifying as caregivers. So they're playing that caregiving role as a spouse or as a parent or even as a neighbor. And so part of what is shifting in the dialogue in healthcare, in our healthcare system, is helping people to understand that this is a recognized role and to recognize that caregiving role more and for there to be supports and information available. So that's one of the reasons that the Ontario Caregiver Organization exists is not only so we can provide that one-to-one support for caregivers, but so that we can have lots of information and resources that are out there for caregivers. I also wanted to uh, speak to caregiver isolation because you spoke a little bit uh, from the poll about isolation uh, for the people who might be cared for. But we know that caregivers often feel isolated as well. And so connecting with other caregivers through peer support and through uh, supports that might be available through their healthcare providers is a really critical piece of the puzzle for caregivers. It, it's, uh, it's very difficult. I mean, uh, there's somebody uh, that we know and love here very dearly who uh, he, he's very ill with ALS, Carrie Stratton, and, and his wife is a marvelous caregiver and they get the most uh, help, but she still has to be there all the time. Can't leave. Mm -hmm. You're you're nodding your head, but uh, (laughs) what is to be done about that? That's the million dollar question. I think um, uh, as Amy said, we have to start with recognition and um, 
so North York Community House and other organizations and advocacy groups um, like Amy and Carol Ann are part of, um, such as Ontario Coalition, uh, Caregiver Coalition, um, and uh, Change Foundation, and other groups where... Um, where we have to recognize and celebrate uh, the the contributions of informal caregivers, and we're doing it um, slowly but surely. And over the last two years, we've uh, the city of Toronto has worked with us to uh, formally recognize caregivers. Every first Tuesday of April every year is being recognized by Mayor Tory and the city. And um, uh, but then. Aside from recognition is, or, or on top of the recognition comes the, the power of collective voice. And so once caregivers self-identify and once um, they're supported and empowered by um, other caregivers like Carol Ann and, and organizations like ours, um, then we can see the government acting more and more. And we have had a lot of support from all levels of government, um, but it's that access to service and that advocacy piece that's really important. We were just talking about the problem of a transition. You have one older person taking care of an even older spouse or older parents taking care of an adult child with special needs worried about what's going to happen when they can no longer do it. Tell me about those situations. I was speaking with um, a 90-year-old who needed to go into a home and couldn't because there wasn't anywhere for his 63-year-old mentally challenged son to go. So he couldn't go into the home with him, but he was worried about leaving him behind. So these are challenges that we need to address. We need to think about those. And finding the services, I think, is one of the biggest problems for caregivers. They don't know where to look. They don't even know what to look for. So they end up on the internet or talking to neighbors. Um, and, you know, we do have local health integrated networks who are supposed to be supporting uh, these folks. They're, being, they're in the midst of being abolished. I know. Yeah, but we're in, the, we're in transition <laughs> yeah. and it's challenging. So it's even more challenging for the caregiver as well. Well, uh, lots of things in our health system are siloed and not seamless. And if they turn to organizations like yours, can you help them at least find what is out there? So for sure, that's a big part of the work that we do at the Ontario Caregiver Organization. We're launching our helpline this fall. And so people will be able to actually call us and speak one-to-one about their needs so that we can help identify uh, the services and supports that they need, but also to provide some support for them along that caregiving journey, pair them up with peer mentors, and also help them to access the right information that we have available for them to help them become better able to play that caregiving role and get the support that they need as a caregiver. And uh, you were just talking about some very simple things that all of us can do. Yeah, there's uh, a statistic that one in four Canadians is a caregiver. So that means that in your circle of friends, relatives that you know a caregiver. And there are some really simple things you can do to help them. First of all, call and ask how they are doing, not just how the patient is doing. But also if they have a dog, go and walk it or take it to the vet if it needs uh, to be looked after. 
go and pick up some groceries for them, make them a meal. Any of those things uh, would really help the caregiver and make them feel special. Ask them out for a coffee if they don't have time, you know, to go out for a dinner or whatever. I'm sure they could manage a coffee or sit with the patient while the caregiver goes out and just veges somewhere. <laughs> yeah, those are little things and it's it's amazing how much of a difference they make. It really would. Uh, and, and there is one positive thing I, I want to bring up because I've, I've seen studies that, yes, there's burnout and it can be very, very difficult. But a lot of people also derive a lot of satisfaction and they know they're doing something really important. Absolutely. And, um, you know, the, we talk about a continuum of a caregiving journey where you start off kind of in the honeymoon phase and then you might go into denial about how much work this is and then you might get angry about it. But um, at some point you might settle in to what's actually happening. And some people go from honeymoon phase to settling in. This is their calling. You know, they're perfectly happy. They've got their own circle of friends. They've got everything managed. But for those folks, for those caregivers who don't recognize how difficult this is and how it's wearing on them, uh, they can get burned out very quickly. And those are the caregivers that we want to reach. We are heading into a federal election. Uh, you know, what's your ask? Anybody? It's a good time to ask. <laughs> I would say recognizing the caregiver nationally um, and that it's a role. And I would really like to see more public awareness um, of, of those simple things that you can do to help because we can't rely on um, the government to be helping us all the time. We're in this together. If you're not a caregiver today, you might be tomorrow. Well, the this liberal government introduced a tax credit for caregivers, but a lot of people say it should be uh, refundable. Is that something that would be helpful, you think, to a lot of people? Because not every caregiver, we, we've heard from, uh, from you that women take a financial hit, uh, which means they might not earn enough money to require the tax credit. We certainly are looking at a variety of different ways that caregivers need support. One is also helping employers to understand some of those best practices and policies that make a difference in helping caregivers to stay in their role at work. So we have legislation around being able to take leaves and that kind of thing, but there are a lot of things that employers can do to help retain employees, to help ensure productivity in the workplace, but also to recognize that caregivers are human beings who who live full lives and are balancing work and their personal commitments. And so we are really excited about the opportunity to help employers work like with their such employees. Such as, like, what do you want from an employer? Well, there are some easy things that can happen around policy that allow people to work and still be able like, to like take someone to an appointment flexible. or flexible schedules. So uh, I would say recognizing that caregiving is a common occurrence, as Carol Ann mentioned, one in four. We certainly know that there's at least 3.3 million Ontarians who are caregivers. And so when we recognize that any of your employees could be a caregiver, then there's an opportunity to say, okay, how can we make this work so that you can fulfill both your caregiving responsibilities and your role at work? Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming that 
that will be fine in certain kinds of jobs and totally not fine in others. Yeah, there is there there is quite a bit of variety. It depends on your job. If you need to be physically in place at a certain point of time or or over a period of time, then there's different ways to make that work. But we hear time and again that the most loyal and productive employees are the ones who get recognized as whole people who live whole lives. And when they feel like they can do that and come back to work, whether that's around a flexible schedule or a leave or whatever it is that they might mean, you might have your most dedicated employee come out of that kind of experience. Loyalty works both ways. And uh, what would you say is the most urgent thing that caregivers need? I think it's access to services. Um, we've we've done a lot of work around raising awareness and helping people identify themselves as caregivers in order to access uh, the services for caregivers and not just the care recipient. But um, I believe the social piece has to come hand in hand with the financial piece. You mentioned tax incentives. Um, they Canada can look to Australia and even America for some of the policy change, the systemic level changes that uh, puts money into caregivers' pockets. America. There's a surprise. <laughs> I'll have to look that up. <laughs> They're not usually ahead of us on social policy. Uh, so um, we're heading into the election. We've seen this survey, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of them before. Uh, are you hopeful that we'll see some meaningful change? We're hearing a lot more about the recognition of caregivers, not only in our local communities, but also in professional dialogue and, and in political dialogue as well. So I think the increase in discussion and recognition about caregivers is first and foremost. And then including caregivers in those dialogues at every level, local all the way to national, is a critical piece of the puzzle because caregivers can tell you really clearly what they need. And so to see them as a success partner and part of that process, I think, is really important. We've come a long way. Yeah, four years ago, I didn't know I was a caregiver. I didn't know I had that title. And now to have it I mean, we're on radio talking about it. Everyone's talking about it. Amy's organization, the Ontario Caregiver Organization, is a real focus and a recognition that caregivers have needs and that if we're going to help our loved one stay at home and achieve their best health outcome, we've got to help the caregiver. Okay. On that note, we are out of time. Ladies, thank you very much for a very interesting and important discussion. Really appreciate it. Thanks for the invitation. Thank you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.